the Lord. All right. So I was just listening to that song where he's coming back again, and this is my common thing. I asked Jesse to speak because the Holy Spirit prompted me about a month ago, and uh, <laughs> I hate doing this, and I, I'm a teacher by kind of trade as a nurse. I do a lot of education, but I hate coming up and speaking, and, and uh, the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 you got to do this. So I said to Jesse, you know, I said, he's not going to say yes. So I said, Jesse, um, I, I think I have a word for the church, and he's like, okay, perfect, in three weeks. And I'm like, ugh. So then as I'm sitting back there, I'm going, you know, that song's great. And he's coming back again. He's coming back again. Jesus, please come before I come up here. And then, and then Jesus said, he said, guess what? I'm already here and I'm standing right in front of you. So you just need to take that step forward. And I'm like, oh, dang it. Try it again. So I've tried all things to get out of this, but that's obviously the Holy Spirit just working his magic. Um, I just want to... Um, say hi to my son who's in Haiti actually. He's tuning in today and uh, he pro I promised him I wouldn't put any uh, silly photos of him on there. So you're welcome, Golson. And um, uh, my amazing parents are tuning in as well from who knows where. So I just want to enter into a uh, relationship right now with Jesus and I just want to, uh, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Holy Spirit, come. God, I just pray that as I've been praying in preparation that um, I asked for the one, but God, would you bring more? Would you open people's hearts to hear your word, Lord Jesus? I just pray that you would soften people's hearts. As we talked about the fire of God coming, Lord Jesus, you are here, you are in this presence. Um, let your kingdom come, let your will be done as it, as it is in heaven as it is in earth, Lord Jesus. And I just pray right now over this congregation, people that are online, that if it is a word for them to hear God, that you would open their ears to hear. You would set the captives free, Lord Jesus. We pray for that right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So um, the first slide um, when, as I was prepping was, what's your narrative? So if anybody doesn't know what that is, uh, I actually looked it up in the Webster Dictionary. It's uh, actually a representation of art, an event, or a story. So I, I'm sure people have thought about this in some degree. I've always thought, like, what does my story sound like? And um, for those of you that know Jacob and I, we have a very interesting, um, eclectic uh, family that come from multiple areas of life, and people always say, you should write a story. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it probably, I don't know if anybody would want to read it because it's that crazy, mind-blowing. But um, as you turn through the pages of your life, have you ever wondered what your story would be if it was to be read out loud? Would it be stories of heroic adventures, some intense moments? Oh, wait, I can't listen to this part. <laughs> um, would there be some significant areas of great suffering that God met you where you were at? John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh. That's so mind-blowing to me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory and the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. In the message, it states, um, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. So think about us who are, are living with Christ in us. He moved in. We moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes the one of the kind of glory, like father, like son. Generous inside and out, true start to finish. Thinking of the chapters of your book, 
I, I got to tell you a secret here, and I don't know, maybe, you'd, maybe you're going to be mind blown by this, but Jesus, Jesus there, there's an answer because guess what? Jesus comes back. He's already finished, right? He, crucified, um, he was crucified on the cross, and he said, it is finished. And so today, we can live in hope knowing that it is finished, that we actually are in resurrection life right now. Um, oh, I can move the slides. Did anybody know that? I have to push this. Here we go. No? Where am I pointing, Michael? Okay, thanks, Kyla. My kid's going to help me out. <laughs> Uh, what would I do without you? So um, this was spoken a, a few weeks ago by a pastor named Matt Massey, and it really, um, it really interrupted my, my thought pattern as we talk about narratives and what our story sounds like. Um, he said in his sermon that our perspective defines how we live. Just think about that for a second. Our perspective defines how we live. Um, and I'm going to share, like, I, I prayed so much about this. I'm like, hey, God, like, what do you want me to share? And I, this is the story that he wants me to share a little bit about. Um, and um, just so that when I was um, about nine years old, I, um, I would wake up in the middle of the night and have, have such bad night terrors um, that I ended up having to spend many, many nights in my parents' room and um, we grew up in a Christian home where we believed in, in Jesus. And um, I remember multiple times um, people coming up to me from the church and saying, you just need to believe harder. You just need to believe more. Um, and so that started my cycle of thinking um, as a young kid at nine years old, seeing some really ter um, horrific things in the middle of the night. Things would come to me or I would... Um, see different people and I would discern, which I now know is to be what it is, I would discern things and instead of me praying into that, of course being a young kid, I would be very fearful. So I grew up and I, I was like, hey God, why aren't you healing me? Like, come on, heal me. Like, what am I not doing? So I worked and I worked and I worked and I, I you know, I volunteered and I did all of these different things and, and um, I couldn't quite understand. I remember I was about 15 years old, and um, I had someone pray over me, and I was totally filled with the Holy Spirit, and I said, hey, God, this is what I want. I just want this depression, this fear, this anxiety to go. Like, get out of my life. I don't want you. And um, it, it wouldn't go. I'm like, what is going on here? So um, at a period of time as we, you know, entered into this church, we call it, um, I remember, you know, we were doing everything we were supposed to be doing, and... Uh, um, I get a call from my parents and we sit down and um, one of the members of our church who was a very, very, um, I, I considered to be a very strong mentor in my life, um, was actually, um, was convicted of a very, very heinous crime um, to the point where, you know, it was, it was so devastating for me and I, I walked into one of my brother's houses and I was like, I'm done. Like this God thing, this is totally, I'm it. This is totally not it. I'm just... Like, I don't know where God is in this, um, you know. I was sitting from this place of, I was waiting for all of these things in my life to fix the problems. Um, when I think back to the narrative of where I was living, I was living by what we call an orphan spirit or the law, because I was actually counting on all these people in my life to make things go away. And as much as I kept saying, like, God help me, I wasn't actually trusting the process. I wasn't actually stepping into that 
that trusting process with God. I wanted other people to fix my problem. And in Romans 8.38, it says, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else, anything else in creation, will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, you know, I was sitting in this place like, okay, God, like, where are you in this place? And I'm so grateful. I don't know if... um, if any of you have this experience, but I am so, so grateful for COVID. Anybody else? Come on now, church. You know, it has been the most amazing experience of my life because I believe God has put me in a room and said, okay, let's think about your life, Chicky. Let's take some time to spend some one-on-one time with me. You don't have anything else to pretend that you're busy about you're going to just spend some one-on-one time with me and it was at that point in time actually in the last couple years that God showed me um, a whole revelation um, and has set me free and we'll, we'll I'll talk about that in a minute here so I just wanted to share something which I think um, as I was praying I had a whole different slide set and God was like no we're going to change it up so you know we step into uh real, go ahead Kyla sorry thank you you're amazing Okay, so I just wanted to share with you as we move into this, like, process my story here. Um, Here's a family here, um, Dave and uh, Karen Eubank. Has anybody ever heard of them? Kyle, of course, because I made you watch the movie. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this is awesome. This This is a family of three children they have, okay? They ventured in, they venture, this is what they do, God's called them to it, they venture into war zones that are fighting, and they bring hope and justice into the chaos that resides in those war-torn areas. Does anybody think that we live in chaos today? Hello? (laughs) Hello? You know, the chaos doesn't necessarily need to be a war zone, but we live in chaos today. Um, as, as you stated, I thought it was so cool. God works so great when he, when he brought up that word. I was like, that's exactly where God's wanting us to go, into those dark places. So this is such a cool story. The family actually founded a, a group called Free Burma Rangers. And what had happened, uh, and I'm going to share the video clip because I thought me talking is way more boring. Um, but uh, they founded it 20 years ago in response to a conflict in Burma. Does anybody know there's conflict in Burma? Please tell me one or two people. Thank you. Okay, so it's been going on for quite, quite some time. And basically what happens is people are are being, um, you know, slaughtered. And it's just an awful, awful atrocity. And so what they actually go in is they actually videotape it and send it out to news so that people can um, hear the story of what's going on. Now, there is some, there, I do have the video and it is a little bit, you know, there is a few war sort of things. But I didn't double check. I watched it. My kids have watched it. But... Um, I just want you to take a minute and look at this, and then we'll continue on. Well, you have one life, and you might as well go for it, because what are you going to hold on to? I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. I remember thinking, I think I'm more of a soldier. I felt God had something else for me to do. I turned to Karen and I said, I'm going to Burma 
Will you come with me? Will you marry me? I felt in my heart, say no and let it go, or you say yes and you get in. I have no other plan, just go. Go to the sound of the guns, go to the sound of need, and trust God to show you how you can be useful. David Eubank, a former Special Forces captain, has gone on to found a relief group called the Free Burma Rangers. Helping those fleeing the front lines of war. His wife and three children go with him into the conflict areas. As we did these relief missions, more and more ethnic people began to join us. I want to go and help my people as I can. We hope these things will change the world. We're here on the border of Iraq, and these are all refugees that have been fleeing ISIS. This is the craziest thing in the world to do, and yet we knew we had to respond. I felt God's voice, get on your knees and pray. Get on my knees. I look like a Christian nutcase, man. ISIS just opens up on three sides. Bullets are pinging off the Humvee like crazy. Everything is just right there on the edge. How far is that going to take Dave? Yeah, alive! What's happening to you is wrong. We're going to help you even if we die trying. We're not going to leave you because you count. Jesus, help me. Anybody want to go? No? Okay. <laughs> when I watched that video uh, the, the first time, I've watched it a couple times, and I just see this, um, the great sovereignty of God. When this family was called, they said all they, all they said they had no money. All they said was yes, and they stepped into that place. They stepped into that place. Uh, next slide, Kyla. Oh, there you are. Wow. I've told you these things so that you, in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I just, you know, it's so interesting to me because in, in that, in that war-torn um, environment, let's take ourselves back into the Kootenays where we live in such chaos right now, there's so much, um, there's so much um, division, there's so much chaos in terms of people's minds and how they're thinking. I, I've seen more in, in my practice, I've seen more anxiety and depression come into my clinics. It's overwhelming to the point where people are totally captured and captivated by or overwhelmed or over, oppressed by um, anxiety, depression, all those things, fear, Nobody's fearful. Fear, fear reigns right now. But Jesus said, I have told you these things so that you in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the next slide, Kyla. This word um, was uh, spoken at a, um, this is a Hebrew word. Um, it, it's pronounced Heneni. Everybody say Heneni. Wow, that's way better than me. Heneni, um, and it means here I am. 
So it actually is stated eight times in the Bible. And basically, it's, it's not just here I am. It actually is whatever you, you're about to ask me, I'm already in agreement. So think about that family. You know, basically, God said, this is what I'm doing. And they said, Hineni, whatever you want me to do, I'm in agreement. Whatever it is. Um, now, Jesus actually, it's it stated Exodus 3, the first time it stated where Moses um, was at the burning bush and, and Jesus said, hello. And then he said, Heneni, here I am, Lord. Um, and basically that was the assignment. He had talked about his assignment and was given and what, whatever happened next. But in the Bible, there's actually one spot that it says in Isaiah where it says that Jesus actually says Heneni to us. Is that mind-blowing to you? Because it's mind-blowing to me. It says, here I am. Whatever you ask, I'm already going to give it. So Jesus says, then you will call and the Lord will answer you. You will cry for help. And guess what he'll say? Heneni, here I am. Like, wow, here I am. So when we talk about... Um, there's, there's so much um, anxiety, there's so much depression, so much fear in this world. And I think about um, when we talk about, uh, I was listening to this story yesterday where, you know, we have, uh, when you're, you play sports, you wear the, your last name on the back of your shirt. And, um, you know, we're kind of like that, right? As Christians, we walk around with the name on the back of our shirt, whether we think we do or we don't. Do we not want to be a church or people that basically any time that fear comes in, any time that stress or chaos comes in, we can step in and say, here I am, Lord. You are the peace that surpasses all understanding. Is there something within your narrative today that you want to relinquish or release to God? Good question. When I, when I was in this place of COVID, which praise the Lord for COVID, because in all things, God brings out good things in, in all circumstances. And that was the place that I was, okay, God, why can't you, why can't this fear, why can't this anxiety? I mean, it was coming to the point where I just, you know, I wasn't sleeping at night. I would see different things and whatnot. And, it, you know, God, in that place of me stating, Hineni, here I am, Jesus said, I'm already here. I'm already here. So there was this attempt to try to find him. I was trying to find him amongst the chaos, and yet he was already present. He was already there. And the funny thing is that oftentimes we're waiting to hear his voice. I hear this a lot with um, people that, you know, have been in a church environment for many years. They say, well, I can't hear God's voice. Are you listening? I can tell you right now, in the, in the last several years, um, Jacob and I have had so many experiences <laughs> that, you know, it just, it makes me, it makes me laugh because I think, oh yeah, there goes God again. Um, you know, I'll just, it, one experience was just two weeks ago, um, one of our um, brothers came up to my husband, he's been having so much pain in his one arm, all he did was he touched his arm and he said, be gone, pain, totally gone. 
Are we a church that believes that our God is greater than all the circumstances that we're living in today? Do we believe that? So when we think of our perspective, a lot of us are perspectives like I was thinking like, okay, what am I doing? What can I do to work to earn your love? And I wasn't doing it intentionally. I grew up in a church environment where, um, you know, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. If you don't do that, you're going this place, this place, this place, this place. I was so saturated in fear that I couldn't step out in my freedom. And Jesus basically said to me, and Annie, here I am. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I've been searching for you this entire time, and yet you've been sitting right here. Um, and so I really believe um, that we're stepping into a new place and a new time. Um, change is really, really hard for people, me for included, right? I think as the Bible talks about Ecclesiastes, that there's a, a time for everything, a time to keep and a time to throw away. We're stepping into such a new place where we're going to be challenged to do things differently. And guess what? The more I step in to say, Hineni, here I am, Jesus already says, I've already done it. Whatever you ask, I've already done it. So the more we step into this, the more we can actually see that the less control I have <laughs> and the more freedom he gives me. God, he holds all things in the midst of this darkness. And I love how you said the, the, the lighthouse because that's been really what I've been seeing like, um, you know, in the war-torn places, in the places that we call the Kootenays, in Canada, there is so much chaos and there's so much darkness. And sometimes we can go, ah, I don't know what to do. There's so much darkness. I'm overcome by darkness. Oh my goodness, guess what? We have a light. The light is, is within us. And our light that shines is so much greater than the darkness. So much greater. Has anybody had those night lights in the middle of the night? You know, my kids are scared. You turn on a tiny little night light and all the scariness goes away. That's all we need is that just that little bit of light. And Jesus is trying to call us forth and say, stop being afraid of all the darkness because you have the light within you. So when we fix our eyes on, on our Father, we will see the light shine. In Isaiah 60, 1-3, it says, Arise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers, covers the earth, and thick darkness is over all the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears with over you. Nations will come to your light and keep, and keep to the brightness of your dawn. See, sometimes when I think about my story, about how I was so overcome by fear and anxiety, I recognized that actually um, it was somebody that prayed over me and said, this was like two years ago, and he said, the thing that you thought was to bring darkness was actually a gift to bring others light. At nine years old, I was so tormented by fear. At nine years old, I was suicidal, okay? That's not normal for a nine-year-old. There was so much fear that lived within me, and yet 
what happened was I needed to release this because what was to bring, what I thought was a curse was actually to bring people life. And now I realize that Jesus actually gave me the gift to be able to discern, to set captives free. So when I see people, um, you know, uh, it's, it's a very weird, bizarre gift, but I'm overcome by certain emotions or I hear certain things. And, you know, I used to think, oh my goodness, I need to be afraid of this person because they're involved in X, Y, and Z. Don't worry, I'm reading your own, all your mail. Just kidding. <laughs> Gee, it's all good. Um, but what, what I was so fearful of has actually become such a gift to set people free because that's my place to pray, to intercede on behalf of other people. And so, you know, we stand in such a, a dark place right now. Even in the church, there is so much war within our own church. I call the big C the church. People don't like the way that I preach. People don't like the, uh, the way that you sing. We are standing in such a dark place. And Jesus says, I am the light. Do not let darkness overcome you. So um, I'm going to move on to uh, this slide, next slide here. Do you need a shift in your perspective? So do we need to look at, um, this was from the, the, um, um, the group, the Eubanks. This is actually kind of their principles that they live on. Are these things that you struggle with if we flip them to the reverse? Can we step into a narrative where we love one another, regardless of their race, you know, ethnicity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Can we love one another? Can we unite for freedom? Can we, can we stand for justice and peace? Can we forgive and not hate each other? Can we pray and have faith? Can we act and stand in courage and never surrender? So as we, you can go to the next slide. Thanks. Oh, this is my favorite thing, and I have it in my desk on my desk <clears throat> because um, so many years until like COVID hit, um, I used to think, "Tell your God about your mountain." You know, can we just tell God, even though He's the God of the universe, who knows exactly what you're struggling with today? He knows exactly what's going on. I'm just going to tell God about my mountain. Dear God, I'm struggling with this. How about we reverse that? Tell your mountain about your God. Tell your mountain about your God. So um, as I was praying, this um, story came up. And um, it's in the book of John. You all seem so quiet today. Um, has anybody heard uh, the story of Lazarus? Lazarus, I can't speak today. No? Oh, I was scared. All right. So what happens to Lazarus? Lyle, you can't kill it. You, you just ruined the, the climax. What the heck, Lyle? <laughs> I'm just teasing her. Uh, he said he's raised from the dead. Okay, so the death of Lazarus. Um, you, can, you can come up. I'll... So there was a man named Lazarus who was sick, right? So basically what happened is he dies. And uh, Martha, his sister, was um, 
you know, trying to talk to Jesus about the fact that he's not doing well, right? Um, when he heard, um, when, oh my goodness, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, your, uh, for God's glory so that the God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed <laughs> where he was for two more days. Maybe some of you are struggling like I was and in a place where it's like, okay, God, can you please show up in this place, show up in this place. And Jesus stayed there. He hung out for another couple days as Lazarus uh, was dying. And then we move on and, and um, basically he, he passes away, right? And Martha, Martha asks if, if they can go, right? So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Are there things in your life that you're, not wanting to hold, that you're wanting to hold on to and that you're not wanting to let die? It's a good question. Sometimes, especially in my life where I am such a bit of a uh, perfectionist and a control freak, really. I want things to go exactly the way I've planned. Jesus hangs out for a little bit. Let's, let's Lazarus pass away, right? And Martha says, if you would have been there, my, my, my brother would have lived. What the heck? What's going on? And you know, Jesus is like, it's fine. I got something better. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Are some of us waiting for the last day? Jesus says that he is here now. We, if, if we believe that Jesus is, is, is risen from the dead, he is here now. We do not have to wait until we die. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this, church? Hmm. So Jesus ended up going after he, you know, meandered his way there. And Jesus said to, um, at the tomb entrance, he said, take away the stone. But Lord, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. Can you imagine? Especially in that, in that place. Um, my son lives in Haiti and it's hot, right? So after, three, after that period of time, things start smelling real bad, okay? So Martha's like, what's going on here? It's been four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. 
Are some of you like Lazarus? Lazarus, I can't keep say it. Um, are some of you like that where you just say, you know, I believe that Jesus has rose from the dead. I believe, but I don't want to step. I don't want to step out of that tomb. I'm not ready for it yet. Or some of you saying, Hineni, here I am, Lord. I'm going to step one step of faith. The dead man came out. His hands and his feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. You know what Jesus said to him? Take off the grave clothes and let him go. How many of us are walking around? We have the light in us and we're walking around with a bunch of grave clothes, smelly old clothes. Jesus says, take off those clothes. What are you holding on to today that Jesus wants to heal you from? Take off those grave clothes and let him go. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. God, I just pray that you would release the captives, Lord, that the captives be set free. God, help us to step into Heneni. Here I am, Lord. Whatever you ask of me, I will do it. Thank you, Father, for who you are and how you're molding us to become more like you. Thank you, Jesus. And I just wanted to share this one. Um, I've been praying a lot about having... uh, you know, I don't dream a lot, and, and the Lord's been sharing with me that in, in the last days, which is basically since Jesus, you know, rose from the dead, that people will have visions, prophesy over people, people will be healed. And God gave me this, um, this vision, and I was, trying, I was praying over it, praying over it, trying to figure out what on earth it meant. And basically what it was is I was in this, um, this I was captive in a kind of a jail sort of cell with people. It was great. There was lots of good food. Um, I got exercise. They had this exercise place. And um, I was being called to leave, to walk out those doors. The doors weren't locked, but I couldn't leave. And uh, has anybody heard of Dr. Scholl's? I don't know why that was in my dream, but it was. So I had these Dr. Scholl's... Um, uh, you know, they fit on the bottom of people's feet to make it easier to walk long distances. And they were stuck underneath my bed. And um, I was like, okay, God, I, I need to get out of this place, but I need my Dr. Scholl's. I was very fixated on these Dr. Scholl's. And, um, and uh, the father actually came up, and it actually was so cool because it was my Baba who's here today, but I believe that that was the father who... Um, loves me so much and is that nurturing side he handed me a pair of brand new shoes i don't know you can insert your nike or your whatever you want Um, he handed me these brand new shoes and he said go i couldn't walk out the door because i was stuck on those dr shoals i said i want these dr shoals and jesus said come all you have to do is walk out so i put on my shoes and away i went and I believe that for you, for whoever is listening that has the heart to hear, that God is calling you to something greater. You're holding on to the Dr. Scholl's, but Jesus is saying, uh, hello, I've got a brand new pair of shoes for you. You just need to believe. That's all you have to do is your Heneni, your yes, will help you move forward. So thank you, Jesus.